to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 64 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 24th of July, 2011, entitled, True Saving Faith, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew, Chapter 7, verses 13 to 29. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Holy Word as we begin in Matthew seven thirteen. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It came to pass when Jesus had entered, had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Father, we thank you so much again today. Lord, the glorious privilege that we have to be in your house. Lord, and as we gather together here in your house as your children to know, Lord, to have that confidence that we belong to you, that you will hear and answer our prayers, that you have preserved and kept and left your word here for us and your spirit within us to give us understanding. Father, as we gather together today, we do pray that you would be glorified and magnified in our midst and everything that we do will bring glory to you. Father, you know the hearts of each one. You know the needs of each individual. We do pray and ask, Lord, that as only you can, as you search and know the hearts of men, Lord, that you would also be the one that would meet those needs, whatever they might be, Lord, through thy spirit through thy word. And Lord, as we stand and preach thy word this day, we pray, Lord, that your touch, that your anointing would be there, that your word would go forth under your anointing and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue with the 64th in our series on contending for the faith, and as we've been covering the fundamentals of that faith that we are to contend for, We look back at this passage today that we looked at last week, and our thought was true saving faith. Now, I would just remind you that we say true saving faith because as we look at this passage before us, it is very clear from what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying that there is a true faith, a faith that will save the soul, and there is a false faith. There is truth. The Bible teaches us here that there is also, just as surely, 
the lies of the false prophets and those that would deceive. If we are to truly grasp anything in our lives, we must understand, know, and apply what the Bible teaches us would be true saving faith. Now, I'm going to go through the whole list. We said it's possible to do an awful lot of things for a person to feel bad about their wrongdoings, to even feel guilty over their, uh, their sin, to have great desires to be saved and to know that they're going to heaven, to be religious and do all the things that good, honest religious people do, to hear God's word over and over and over again even to receive portions of that word and to experience much of it, to acknowledge Jesus Christ for who he is, to hear the gospel time and time again, to be baptized and part of a, a good, solid, Bible-believing church, to know all of the Bible facts from cover to cover, to fear the consequences of what that sin would do for you, to, to fear possibly ending up in that place called hell one day. It's even possible to confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth, to be so close, to know all the terminology, to say all the little prayers, to possess all these bits and pieces of religion, to go through all of these religious acts, and yet in all of that, to never genuinely be born again. Now, I've made it clear. The last thing in the world that this preacher would ever want to do is to make you doubt something that's genuine and real in your life. But I make no apologies today that if you do not know that with absolute certainty, then I am not ashamed to challenge you because the Bible teaches us we can know that we're a child of God. We can know that we've been saved. And as we look at this passage, it's important that we understand for ourselves, for all of those around us, what true saving faith is not to be one of these that would stand before the Lord, to call the Lord's name, to talk about all the things that we've done in his name, and yet for him to say, sorry, I never knew you. I never knew you. All of that was done in your strength, in your power, in your wisdom, but not in mine. So we ask ourselves this question, what is true Saving faith. Now, we covered a number of things last week. As we began to look at this passage in the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus was originally preaching and teaching this sermon himself, in the first two verses there, we says that he shows us two ways, two gates, two entry points. We find that to enter the gate is the first thing. The door is the place that you get in. We said as we looked here at this straight gate that he's the one that gives us this imperative. Enter. Enter. This is the starting point. There's two gates that you can come in at. Now, both of these gates, remember, we will clearly see as we go through this in lots of different ways, people that are entering, they think that the gate that they're entering is taking them to the right place. None of these people, we're not, we're not discussing the world and those that want nothing to do with the Lord. We're talking about all those that are on a path that they think leads to heaven. He says, enter ye. You have to enter. You can't get there any other way. You must enter this way, 
this gate, the straight gate, there's no other entrance to get in. Ye must enter. It's something that you must do this way, this gate alone, and you must do it all by yourself alone. We looked at this straight. We looked at another place in Scripture where the Bible talked about striving, and that's the idea of this, of this straight gate. If you come in at this gate, it's not the easiest way. Matter of fact, it shows that there's going to be some difficulty. There's going to be some restrictions. Why? Because your flesh is going to fight against it. The forces of hell are going to fight against it. You're going to have to come by, by means of repentance, which is turning away and turning loose of everything else in order to follow Jesus Christ and to enter this way. So you've got to enter and you've got to do it this way, this way alone. You've got to do it alone by yourself and you're going to do it with difficulty. And I said, you've got to come naked. What do you mean, preacher? I mean, you can't bring anything with you. I mean, there's nothing in this world. There's nothing that you possess. There's nothing that you have that you can bring along. When you come in at this gate, you turn from everything else. There's self-denial that's involved. And of course, we find that there are many passages in the Scripture. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, we find again the Lord uses this teaching in using a comparison of two different things. Notice in Luke, chapter 18, Beginning in verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They were proud of themselves. They bragged on themselves. They were the righteous. These other people were nothing. He said, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Two men. One's got a, he's all religious and he's all proud of himself because he does such good things and he's got all his praying and he's fasting and he's doing all these things. Boy, he's sure glad he's not like all these other people and all of their sins, especially this old publican that's right here with me. We live in a society where that's what society wants us to teach ourselves about ourselves, how good we are, how ultimately, you know, don't, don't, don't dare. Or think anything bad about yourself. God shows us this publican. One was looked down on. Didn't have anything to brag about. He realized as he beat upon himself, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I know I'm not worth anything. I know that I'm a sinner. I can only cry out for your mercy. Which one? Did he say as he compares these two to us? Here's the one. Just like we're seeing over in Matthew, we've got this one that thinks he's going the right way, but he's not entered at this straight gate. He's not on the right path. He's not in the right place. But there's this publican. Notice just a few verses down. As Jesus continues his teaching here, he gives us another comparison. But this time it's not with, I guess, the, uh, uh, the individuals, but it's a comparison of what do you really want in life? You want what's here on earth? Or do you want what the Lord has for you? 
because there's two different realms there. Notice here he says, in, beginning in verse 18, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. He's asking him if he, does he really recognize him for who he is? Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. He said, all these have I kept from my youth up. I've been living the good life. I've been following God's word. I've been doing all those things that I'm supposed to. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou, what's the next word in your Bible? One thing. He's got all this other stuff right in his life, but he says there's one thing you're lacking. There's one thing you're missing. He says, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When he heard this, he was very sorrowful because he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? Verse 27, And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left houses or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. <laughs> One of the great paradoxes <laughs> goes against everything the world would teach us and show us in its wisdom and intelligence. You see, what we're finding here is the same thing that we're finding back in Matthew in our reading in chapter 7. In order to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one gate to enter. You've got to enter that gate. You can't get there any other way. You've got to do it alone, by yourself, this way and no other way. It's going to be hard. There are going to be challenges. The devil's going to be trying to stop you. He's going to be trying to deceive you. He's going to be trying to show you all the wrong ways. He's going to be trying with his very best ability to get you to choose that other gate, the easier gate to go through. Your flesh, you're born a sinner. It's never known anything but sin. But now you're going to ask it to turn its back on all of that sin. You see, as you come through this gate, it's a straight gate. It's something that there's no room to bring all your worldly goods with you, all your goods. And here the great paradox is in order to come through the gate, you got to be willing to leave everything behind. But Jesus is saying once you've come through that gate, <laughs> don't worry. You're not going to give up anything in this life that I'm not going to bless you manifold times in this life and the next to come. Now that doesn't make any sense to the world this walk of faith that we're talking about, but this is a faith where you're willing to let go and to leave everything and to come in with absolutely, positively nothing and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. So you got to enter this way, alone, with some difficulty and some striving, naked, in complete submission to Christ. You know, that's something that we're not used to. 
We're used to taking control of things ourselves. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves and just obey him, to listen to him. That's what the rich man wouldn't do. He couldn't take that simple step of letting go on the one hand and submitting himself totally to Christ in absolute faith on the other hand. It's only when we come to realize nothing within me. Jesus gave us some other parables. We won't turn there for the sake of time in Matthew chapter 13. When he talked about the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, a willingness to give up everything because there's something that's more valuable. There's something that means more to you. You see, Jesus Christ can't have a subordinate place. He can't even be in second place. He's got to be in first place. It's him and him alone. The Bible says you've got to be willing to come humbly as a little child, a little child, just willing to trust him, to believe that what he says. You know, that little child, that's something that comes natural with his parent. I remember years ago when, you know, you can try it with, with, with any of your children if, if, you've, if you've given them any kind of love at all, really. I remember standing down here and sticking little Tyler when he was only about this high up on the platform and, and just simply, you know, saying one word, jump. What's he do? He just jumps. Why? Doesn't enter his thought that dad would tell him to jump and not catch him. It's just that, that childlike faith that they just trust, that they'll do what you say because they trust you as their parent to take care of them. He's saying that's the way we've got to be willing to come, leaving everything else. There's only this one gate because, you see, there's not only the narrow gate here, the straight gate, but there's the wide gate. Now, if you want to go in at that wide gate, you can forget most of what we've said. You can take all your luggage with you. <laughs> Matter of fact, you can carry along just about anything you want to. It also might be easier. It's not going to be as much difficulty because of a lot of reasons, but you're also going to be going with the crowd, not the worldly crowd, because you're wanting to go to heaven. You know you can't go with the worldly crowd, but you're going to be going with the biggest part of the religious crowd. All these people that say that they're going to heaven. This gate's a whole lot easier to find, he says here. You'll find very few restrictions. You know, many times when you go one place, you can find these signs that there's certain restrictions. There's things you can't bring, things you can't do. If you want to enter this broad gate, you can do just about anything. Just about anything goes. Come up with your own thoughts. Remember. You ever been out there on the highway and you're traveling maybe the, the motorway system and one of the things you keep saying is these, these signs up above and these signs on the side that, that tell you where you're headed to. We can get out here and you go one way and it says London. You go the other way, it says Manchester. You go the other way, it says Bristol. It tells you where you're headed. Well, guess what? The signposts at both these gates say heaven. They both say heaven. They both say this is the way to go to heaven find that as we go, we find that there's something else that he tells us here. You there be that find it. This straight gate is a lot harder to find than the broad gate. He says this broad one is going to be a lot easier. It's going to be trying to get you to believe that you're going in the right direction, even though it doesn't lead there. Jesus says that there's really only these two that you compare to, but one's right and one's wrong. Now, most everybody thinks that it's all right, and that's where we live in the world today. And I'm not trying to make it harder. I'm not trying to throw rocks, but I'm saying we're not doing ourselves any favors if we want to just pretend that none of this matters, 
just so that we can get along with all those that call themselves Christians, just because that they're talking about all of the brotherly love. Folks, you can't get a greater love. God is love. But that doesn't mean that you throw everything else out. The simple truth is, is that we need to rest, you know, don't get proud and haughty. Think, oh boy, we got it. Just like the Pharisee there did with all of his religion. Man, we got it down pat. We got it. Nobody else does. If you know that you've entered at the straight gate, just praise the Lord and thank God that you found it. And the truth is, is you want to be able to point others to this one. You see, he said there's going to be all kinds of people that are just willing to bend over backwards to give you directions. You know, when you think you're losing your way or you're not sure, quite sure where you're going, a lot of times you want to pause and say to somebody that knows, how do I get there? The problem, he says, these he calls false prophets. They look like a nice, gentle sheep, but inside they're just ravening wolves ready to destroy you. There'll be plenty of people. There'll be all the signs are going to be saying this way to heaven. There's going to be all these people saying, don't listen to those narrow-minded people over there that are trying to get in that little straight gate. Look, this is the way to heaven. You do this and you do that. You go here, you go there, and this will get you there. And they're so nice and they're so helpful and they're so genuine and they're so sincere. Many of them are simply deceived themselves. See, in the end, may I remind you, Jesus is showing us that they're both there. He said, enter ye at the straight gate. You have a choice. God hasn't tied some chain around your neck and he's pulling you through this way. He's given you a choice. And he's given you an imperative command. Enter here, this way. This is the only way that you're going to get there. And not many people are going to find it. I say, but preacher, you're trying to make it so hard, and there's many that will say, you're trying to make it too hard. Well, I want to tell you something this morning, and listen very carefully. If I'm only making it sound hard, then I have miserably failed you. Folks, it's not hard. Listen, it is impossible. If you think that you can find that gate with all of your intelligence, with all of your Bible wisdom, with all of your religion, then you've got another thing coming. We just read it. When he's giving us this account of this rich young ruler, and man, after he told them, they stand back and they're saying, well, who in the world can be saved then? What did Jesus say? He's the one that said it was impossible with man. <laughs> but with God, all things become possible. Folks, we can't. We can't come up with enough good systems. We can't build a good enough church. We can't do anything ourselves to get others or to get ourselves through this straight gate. We often, and I say this again, I don't try to make it hard. It's simple. It's simple enough for even the young people and the children here to understand it's simple enough for a child to grasp, but he's not saying it's easy. It's not easy amongst all the false teachings and all that's out there, all the deception. It's not easy with a sinful flesh that will try to bring you down. 
It's not easy with Satan and the forces of hell wanting you to be deceived and wanting you to spend eternity with him. It's not easy. But you need to understand the simplicity. That's the only way it can be done. That's what you have to do, and that's the way that you do it. Jesus is the only way. We don't just need a bunch of religious faith. A lot of religious faith are taking a lot of people straight to hell today. We need true saving faith. That's to go back to the Word of God. Jesus is warning us here. Jesus is the one that's saying to you, enter now. He's giving us this contrast between all of these pairs, true faith and false faith. We find that many of us have probably known those in the past. And we say this with broken hearts. People that we've seen them pray prayers. We've seen them speak words. We've seen them do many religious things. Then we've seen them go back into the world and live like the devil itself, and it never bothered them a bit in the world. I'm afraid they missed something. It's one thing to taste it. It's one thing to be able to be religious. But it's another thing to be a new creation in Christ. We need to be created new. We need to be a new creation. There needs to be something that's changed about us. Can you stumble? Can you fall? Can you backslide? Yes, we can look many places. But I don't think, according to God's Word, you can go back out there and just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. The devil doesn't really care how he destroys your life as long as he can destroy it. He didn't really care. Number one, if you're not saved, he definitely never wants you to be saved. <laughs> if you are saved, he never wants your life to be able to be used for the Lord. It might come through taking you back, trying to tempt you with sin, trying to destroy your testimony, maybe playing with your mind. Because just on the other side of that, there are also those that I've seen that I truly, genuinely believe are born again. But the devil will try to get them to have uncertainties in those salvations so that they're never, ever able to be used of God in any way. He says there's two gates. He says there's two ways. You see, those gates are the entry point. You enter at one gate or the other. There's only two. If you want to go to heaven, there's two different ways. There's two different gates. One's a really broad, big gate, and it's signposted to heaven. The other one is a straight gate, and it's hard to get through. It's hard to even find. It's there. Why is it so hard to find? Because there's so much of the false. Not because God's trying to hide it. We find that as you go through that gate, there's two different ways. Now, beyond that straight gate that one that's difficult to find and get through. Beyond that, there's a narrow way. Now, that didn't come across too well today because most people don't want you to be narrow, narrow-minded, narrow-acting. <laughs> Beyond that broad gate, there's a broad way. So we enter at the gate, but then after we enter, we're going to go one of these two ways. Now look with me into 1 Timothy Chapter 4, the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, very clearly, that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines or teachings, if you would, of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, 
having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They don't even care. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. In other words, they're going to come up with all these rules telling you, well, now, if you want to please God, if you want to make God happy, you've got to do this and this and this and this. Not God's rules. He said here they're going to come up with things that are totally contrary to what God's teaching. Sometimes it makes people feel, well, you know, these people are all right. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But what's the next word? Refuse, profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, which is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now mark this down, and we will get into this more later. Don't you dare even get the idea that this preacher is saying that you've got to do this or do that or do anything yourself, that anything that you do has got anything to do with true saving faith. That's not what we're seeing here. That's not what we're going to see as we go through these passages. But we find time and time and time and time again, if you've got true saving faith, you will be a doer, not just a hearer. It's going to show in your life. We find that it's easy to listen to things. Jesus says, hey, there's these two gates, these two different ways that people say will get you to heaven. The straight gate, the broad gate. Beyond that, though, there's a narrow way and there's a broad way. Broad way. I mean, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room for anybody that wants to come. Zori said there's few restrictions. Matter of fact, we hear all the time today about tolerance. Well, the Broadway is very, very tolerant. We find that you'll also find, and you know, we're not trying to condone ignorance, but on this Broadway, man. You're going to find so much intelligence, so much of man's learning. You're going to find so much of, of prophecy. And like I've shared with you before, I heard John MacArthur one time explain prophecy in terms that I thought was some of the simplest and best that I'd heard. Of course, we know that philosophy is a search for truth. That's all it is. It's just a search for truth. Because if you ever find truth, then it's no longer philosophy, it's truth. Philosophy is trying to find the truth. If you find it, it's truth. It's not just a philosophy or some philosophical idea anymore. It's truth. And of course, any real search for truth must begin and end here. That mean that can't be intelligent people. 
but God's word is truth. We can trust it over all of the libraries that are filled with all of men's education and intelligence and philosophical ideas. You see, any search that excludes God's word is excluding the truth. It'll never find truth. And the simple fact is, is that most of our philosophers of today want nothing to do with the Bible. They think that's too narrow. They want a broad spectrum, a broad thinking, broad minds. And they continue to search, and they continue to search, and they continue to search, and they come up with this new idea and that new idea and all these grand ideas, but they never find the truth because they're looking in the wrong places. But the broad way, it's filled with these people. All the great intentions, all the great ideas is filled with all of our liberal theology. Postmodernism, we hear that so much. Postmodernism. Well, you'll find all your postmodernistic ideas on this broad way. I mean, you can fit right in. So many times you can get on this, come through this big, big, broad gate, get on this big, broad way, and there's all these people. You can find somebody that will agree with your ideas if you look. Just keep trying. You'll find somebody, and you'll find plenty of ideas that you, you look long enough, you'll find something that you can feel comfortable with. It's a very ecumenical way. There's nothing to divide. Again, folks, I'm not trying to find enemies. I'm not trying to be bigoted in my ideas. I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to be biblical. We find that God makes it very clear. And if it means that the very things he just warned young Timothy, Timothy, hold true to those doctrines, those teachings. The very thing that we're seeing, that this whole series is about contending for the faith. There's things we've got to fight for. There's things we've got to stand for. We can't just throw it all away. We can't just let it go. We can't pretend that it doesn't matter. Yes, that's easier a lot of times. Yes, you're going to be more popular a lot of times. I'm not trying to get people to dislike me. It just comes easy for them. <laughs> kind of a natural thing. The simple truth is, is that if you want to travel this broad way, there's room for all that different thinking. Everything says it's going to heaven. And we just need to get along with everybody else that's on the way, not do anything to upset the cart. That narrow way, got too many restrictions. I mean, it's really constricted in so many ways. Now, keep this in mind too. I've met some people that is talking about a narrow way here. It don't say a slit. <laughs> Some people try to make that narrow way a slit that nobody can get in because they come up with all their own ideas. You know, a lot of them today will throw the rocks and they'll call us legalists because that we want to go by the word of God. But there are a lot of genuine legalists out there, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that want to make up all of man's rules and man's ways. You show me anything that I say that's not in the word of God. And I'll face it. Simple truth is, is that this narrow way is narrow, but it's not a, it's not a slit. The most important thing in your life is not some spiritual experience. It's knowing and applying the truth. We've got to know the truth in order to live it. We've got to know the truth in order to, to follow it. The Bible is, for many people, it's just a book of questions. <laughs> but folks, it's a book of answers. It's there to answer our questions. God gave it to us. It's his word. The gate is narrow. 
The way is narrow. We've got to count the costs sometimes. Sometimes we just try to make the gospel so cheap that it becomes completely worthless. Your real and your lasting joy is not going to be found in your experience that can come and go. Your feelings can change from day to day. It's going to be in knowing Christ. That's where real peace will come from. That's where real lasting joy will come from. The Christian life is one of knowing the truth, which the Bible says will set us free and obeying that truth that we've been given. Just know what God says and simply do it. That's not hard to understand. But yet today, too many are spending so much time on this Broadway saying why that doesn't matter anymore and that doesn't matter anymore and that doesn't matter anymore. That was just cultural. That wasn't meant to be literal. Just explaining away and trying to rationalize away all the things that they don't like there. I'm just saying, folks, God's way. Jesus says there's a straight and a narrow way. This straight gate, that narrow way, there's a big broad gate with a big broad way on the other side of it. You have a choice. But notice, let me remind you what he says to us here. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to, what's the next word in your Bible? Destruction. Destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto, what's it say? Life. Life. And few there be which find it. You see, there's two gates. All say it is going to heaven. Jesus, first of all, before he goes into any explanation, he makes it very clear. He says, you enter here at this straight gate. A straight gate, a broad gate, a narrow, a broad way. Both say in heaven, but he says, only problem is this straight gate, when you get on that narrow way, it takes you to life. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through the right gate through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the only way to get to life is through Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father. He's in heaven, right? He said, but by me. He's the only entrance point. He's the door. There's no other way. Then there's that narrow way, the broad way. Everybody thinks that they're heading right down through there. And listen to me, this is the hard part. It was, I mean, so many people. But he says, this way is leading to destruction. We, we've looked so many times. It's not a nice thing. God doesn't want anybody. He's imperatively, Jesus is saying, you, 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 enter here. Enter in this straight gate, go down this narrow way that's going to lead to life, to life everlasting, to life eternal, to spiritual life, to life in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, be careful because there's this broad gate with this broad path and all these people that say that they're going to heaven and they're doing all these right things and they're so helpful and they're so nice and they'll try to get you there, but it's all leading to destruction. Destruction. Death and hell were cast to the lake of fire. And the simple truth is, is that there's two destinations, and he says here that there's two crowds. You've got to be careful, so careful, because it's so easy. It's so easy to 
start becoming prideful and to somehow think, you know, that, man, you got to figure it out. And, and again, there's so many out there as well that are always trying to come up with some new idea and some new way, some new thing. God's word hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is eternally settled. There's no question about it. Simple fact is, is that today, though, he says there's few that find it. Don't start getting prideful. Start realizing the urgency of just giving others the truth, of them not being deceived by these false prophets, these sheeps that are really wolves. Find that the Bible says few. You know, few there be that find it. You say, preacher, yeah, but what's a few? Well, the word that's translated few right there in your Bible the, 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 the Greek word that it came from, it's the same word that we get our word micron from. People say, you know, that it doesn't mean that small. No, it means very small. Micron. Few there be that find it. Because there's so much deception. There's so much falseness. There's so many people that are being led through the wrong gate, down the wrong path that thinks that they're going to heaven when all the time it's leading straight to destruction and the devil is sitting back and he is just having a time and laughing his head off. There's two crowds. We find that, I won't turn back and read it because our time is gone. In Isaiah chapter 5 and chapter 6, it's interesting <laughs> When God calls Isaiah to take the message to his people. And you know, you think a lot of times when somebody's going out there, well, you know, you want to encourage them and build them up and, and get them feeling strong in the Lord. He says, hey, guess what, Isaiah? Nobody's going to want to hear what you've got to say. <laughs> Nobody's going to do anything about what you've got to say. I want you to go out there and I want you to preach your heart out. But nobody's going to want to hear it and nobody is, is going to make any difference in their lives. Why? Because Isaiah was going with a message of repentance. We don't want to hear much about that today. We want to just go right through that broad gate and take everything we've got, keep going and hanging on to everything we've got. We don't want to turn away from anything. We find that the Bible says that there's two different crowds here. <laughs> there's the few. You know, Israel was pretty disobedient most of their history, weren't they? God always kept a remnant. He always kept a remnant. They could never learn. Many give them chance after chance after chance. They had the truth, but they wouldn't obey it. Today, I'm afraid it's much the same. He's talking here with his church. There's the few, the micron. It's really found the straight gate, the narrow way. You need to know that that's the path you're on. Just know that you're not being deceived. Not because I say it or this church or any other church or any other anybody out there, but because God's Word. You believe God's Word. He said Jesus is the only way. He's the one that tells you that you've got to repent, turn away from your sin, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to seek that forgiveness. He'll give you the forgiveness, but only because you trust in what Jesus did, what he did when he died on the cross, when he shed his blood to wash away your sins, not because you're going to do better, not because you feel bad about it, not because you're going to turn over a new leaf, but because Jesus Christ was willing to pay the full price for your sin. That's why he'll forgive you. But there is no other way, and there is no other path. And most people aren't willing to go that way. They don't think you need to still get down on your knees and actually humble yourself before God. You can just start doing these religious things and start living your religious life and go through these religious ceremonies and make it one day. 
That's not what I see in God's word. Most of the world, particularly most of the religious world, sadly, according to what Jesus is saying, the many, the few, micron. According to what he's saying, even most of those that call themselves Christians, they're not on the right road. They've come in at the wrong gate. They're following the wrong path. They're going to the wrong place so they don't know it, right along with the rest of the crowd. We're going to leave it there today. We'll come back, God willing, next week. I just want you to grasp and understand today. Jesus Christ did not go and die upon that cross. He didn't come to this earth to do what he did so that you could be fooled by your feelings or your emotions, some false church or some false denomination, some false religious group, some false preacher. He came that you might know the truth, that it might set you free. He came to die because he wanted you to follow that path. He gave himself for you, for your sins. It's not him that's trying to misguide you, mislead you. His word is truth. But don't be fooled by your own feelings, by your own ideas, by what somebody else is saying. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only entrance point. It is a straight in a narrow way. It leads to life. But he says, you there be that find it. Because there's this big broad gate that's also signposted to heaven. And it's got a big broad way that'll just let you carry everything along and let everybody just believe just about anything they want to believe. Very few restrictions. Everybody just forgetting about the doctrines and the teachings and just, just focusing upon loving one another. But it leads to destruction. So don't worry. He says, man, lots of people are finding that one. Jesus wants you. He wants you to have the narrow way that leads to life. He's commanded you. He's given you this imperative command. Enter you. Enter right here, right now. Enter this straight gate and get on this narrow way that leads to life. Because so few are finding it. Because there's so much false that's out there. He wants you today. You. We're going to sing for our closing hymn right now. I guess just one of the great, I think I've got about three verses if I'm not mistaken, because there's lots of them if you want to get through them. You know, all he's asking right now is just like the song was, just as I am. Just as I am. You know, just like the publican. He's not asking you to change your act. He's just asking you to be willing to, don't worry about cleaning it up and doing anything with it. Just let go of it and follow him. Let him do it. That's what he wants today. He wants you, just like you are. He wants you to be willing, just like a child, just to trust him. I told you. I told you. My blood was sufficient to pay for your sins. So I told you. I told you that I was dying for you so that you can have life, so that you can have it more abundantly, so that you can have it everlasting. Jesus is inviting you to come today. You're the only one that can do it. You must enter alone with difficulty, repenting, turning loose, throwing away all that other stuff, coming naked and alone, trusting him, trusting him completely. That's all you have to do today. 